Welcome to Men's Call. Every man has a call by God that if fulfilled will change the world. Today's topic is what is God calling you to series. The topic is being a role model, but we're going to get more specific today and talk about loving your neighbor. This podcast includes a diverse group of men who will discuss their experiences of what loving a neighbor means to them and what it means to God in such a time as this. A little bit of the background from this topic is recently there's been murders of African-Americans such as Ahmaud Arbery, Trayvon Martin, and Sandra Bland that has caused a stir. As there was some sort of visual evidence or court appearance that played out in the public media that really upset people in the United States. To be frank, in recent years, racial tensions have seemed to become more public due to the new ways of communicating nowadays. And it's because the communication now is right at our fingertips. Everything is on demand. When something happens, you can see it right away, no matter who's reporting it. This has brought about an inception of a mandated use of police cameras. Additionally, politics has taken a lot of the things that have been going on and has been using it in the United States to drive a wedge between church and state and especially between races to gain votes, uh, which has resulted in a division in our nation of being on one side or the other. Yet at the end of the day, as a body of believers, we must be witnesses more and more of the calling that God has given us to love one another. Today, we will look into the greatest commandments through the eyes of Jesus Christ and normal men like you and me. It speaks to loving your neighbor. We're going to look at reading the scriptures from Luke 10, 25 through 37. I want to introduce my guests, but first I've asked them to help me read the scriptures. All right, guys, you ready? All right. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? How do you read it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled and came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise. All right. Thanks, fellas, for reading that. Pretty much that was the scriptures as it talks about the greatest commandments of God. The first one being loving God 
loving the Lord thy God and then loving your neighbors as yourself. Um, so what I wanted to do is go ahead and introduce our group of guys and we're gonna do this panel style. So we'll go around. All I want you guys to do is tell me a little bit about your upbringing, where you were born and raised and uh, what color or nationality are your parents? All right, we'll start with Douglas. Okay, my name is Douglas. I was born and raised in Brazil, in a city called Campinas in the state of Sao Paulo. So my color and nationality is yellow. I wouldn't say banana yellow. It's probably like Dijon <laughs> mustard, you know, because it's a descendancy from China. Uh, both sets of grandparents are, are from China. My dad was born in Brazil, though. My mom uh, moved uh, when she was nine years old. All right. You got it next, Luke. Go ahead. Yeah, so my name is Luke and originally from Baltimore, Maryland, born and raised. And my parents are both from Jamaica. Uh, we are black in terms of um, the backgrounds race. But um, I think a lot of our background is obviously from uh, Africa and being here, the first generation in America. Um, we are, my parents are American citizens now. Um, and my sister and I were the first ones that were born here, able to uh, go to a four-year college here. So um, yeah, I think it's a little bit, it's about me. Obviously you can talk a little more. <laughs> Go ahead, Self, you got it next. Yeah, so uh, I guess prototypical white family from Burlington, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, dad, sister, and me. I'm the oldest sibling, white Caucasian, ginger. Got a little Irish uh, in the tree somewhere. Uh, a little Dutch, maybe some German in there. Well, there's nothing typical about you, bro. Let me say that. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to say personally, I, I want to thank each one of these men for being on this call today. Uh, they're all men of God. They're all people that I've ran into in the past who have been a major blessing in my life. And I'll start out in the order of when I've met these guys. So self friend that I met uh, in high school. Uh, it's kind of funny that me and Seth actually uh, hated each other's guts through high school, but at the very end of senior year, we became friends. So, <laughs> you know, things, things can change that quick. So loving thy neighbor, this is a really good topic, you know. Uh, the only reason we hated each other is because we were always competing against each other. Uh, I think that's, that's why we were always in competition, whether it was football or track and field. There was also always some kind of competition, but at the end of the, at the end of the graduation, we just had a great old time. I've actually, when I was coming up through high school, went to his church out there, played basketball, pick up basketball at his church. First all white church I had ever been to in my life, but it didn't matter because I was having a good time with stuff and I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed the, uh, the pastors as well. I remember one of them, uh, Mrs. Fan uh, was our teacher, but she was also a pastor at the church at the time. So it was a blessing uh, to have that kind of relationship with self. Next was Luke. So I met Luke when I was at Duke University uh, in the ministry on campus there. And this guy right here, let me tell you, if you can see the books in the background, you know that Luke is a, he's a smart guy. He's also an athletic guy. Yeah, he was on the track and field team, track and field team, right, at Duke. Yeah, and, right. uh, what would you run? The four and the eight, middle distance. 
Yeah, he did yeah. a lot more running than I ever did in my whole life. By the time, <laughs> by the time he was in the uh, first year of college. But yeah, met Luke there. I uh, was really blessed to work with him. He was also a leader in the ministry. He also had, he also had some, um, some game on the basketball court as well. So I met him playing a little basketball too. <laughs> of course. Yeah, man. Remember that tournament we won that time? That was fun. Yeah, man. I remember. Yeah. Now you were our <laughs> secret weapon. Not so secret, though. <laughs> and then last but not least, we got Douglas. I met Douglas when I was living out in California. And uh, we were living in San Jose. And my wife and I were looking for a church out there. And we just couldn't find a church that had, uh, had a good, uh, we were looking for like the best music. We were looking for the best sermon. We were looking to just put it all together. But at the end of the day, we ended up choosing River of Life. And uh, River of Life was a, a Chinese church. Uh, so that was a very eye-opening experience. And again, Douglas was one of the leaders over there at River of Life Christian Church. And when I first met him, um, he wasn't married. He was a bachelor, just like the other guys that when I was talking about when I met them. But I met Douglas later on in life. Then he got married, and uh, I just really have seen uh, all of these men mature from when I first met them to after they got married. There's something about a wife that will change your life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But also, guys, definitely change these guys' lives. They're, def- they're definitely men of God. So glad to have you guys on the podcast. We're going to ask a couple more questions. Um, you can also come off mute because I want to hear, like, if anybody wants to just go ahead and jump in and, and say something, that's okay, too. Okay. All right, so the next question we have is, were you raised in a Christian home, and what was the belief growing up about people of different colors around you? Yeah, so I can start off. Um, I did grow up in a Christian home. Both of my uh, parents, they um, grew up Christian themselves, and uh, raising my sister and I in a, I guess, probably black church, uh, Pentecostal uh, church right there in Baltimore. Um, That was my whole reality of like okay every sunday we're going to be in church most likely on a wednesday night or friday night we're probably going to be in church and it was something that became more real to me it's like they even prayed for me and that's part of my own testimony like god healing me even physically at a young age um but in terms of your question uh sort of what was the belief around around other people different colors around us i think it was very much like in order for you, Luke, to succeed in this life, you're going to have to be 10 times better than anyone else because you are at a systematic uh, sort of disadvantage compared to uh, others in the, um, in the world. And um, my parents, they sacrificed to send my sister and I to a, a pr- private school, predominantly white private school. And uh, there they emphasized, my parents to me, like, okay, this is a opportunity. This is something you need to really pour yourself into, but don't expect to just get it handed to you. You have to just continue to push harder. Um, and I always had, did feel attention both when I was at school and probably around a lot of friends who were uh, not black um, to when I was at home to at church where I knew probably from ex- exposure, like this people being people and having a sense that Okay, they don't look at me as black, my friends, but at the same time, hearing things that um, even at our, our black church, they would not be cool necessarily with us hanging out with um, sort of white people as much, just because there wasn't that much exposure. A lot of them did not grow up in that same environment. So we went off to a, a Christian 
uh, camp, a conference or something, it would be like, all right, all of us are together, but the other sort of Christian group that might be more diverse, white, whatever, different background, no, like that's not something that we would sort of mesh with, or we don't like the music. Like that was some of the comments back and forth. Um, I think it was a little different for me since I did have a little more exposure, but I did feel some of that tension growing up of this, mm-hmm. like at which camp am I in? And uh, what way am I going to react? Am I just going to let those different comments slide, for example? That's good. Okay, so uh, I grew up in Brazil, right? And um, I came from a very strong Catholic background. Actually, my grandparents were, uh, ran away from communism because of their Catholic faith. So that was uh, a big part of my upbringing and part of you know family value. But uh, in Brazil, there's really no stereotypical uh, Brazilian look. Um, in the South, you get more tall and more blonde people. And in uh, Southeast of Brazil, where I grew up, that's where you get your uh, Asian immigrants, Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. And uh, African Brazilians are maybe more on the North. So um, I knew I was, uh, I was aware of being minority where in, in my city. But it was only when I got out of Sao Paulo, where, uh, where the state of Sao Paulo, where there's more Asians that I really noticed there was a lot of just jokes around me being uh, with the uh, Chinese eyes, etc. cetera. Um, what was really um, common was uh, financial awareness. Oh, you're driving this car. Oh, you got that uh, type of tennis shoes. And I think uh, it's really because in Brazil, um, there wasn't much of a middle class and there was this big uh, gap, you know, between the, between the families. So that was really the, the environment that I grew up. All right. Uh, so I grew up uh, middle North Carolina, uh, Bible Belt. We didn't really go to church too much until I was about nine or 10. Me and my sister, we would attend the neighbor's church and their youth uh, functions and stuff, um, like I said, until about nine or 10, until we started to attend as a family. But even before that, uh, my, my whole family, mom and dad's side, they all subscribed to Christianity, I guess you could say, um, some in a loose term and some more devoted. But uh, my dad's side in particular, uh, they were always super spiritual. I'd never forget uh, hearing tongues uh, being spoke over the blessing of the food. So that was all growing up. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, I'm sure Luke knows about that coming from Pentecostal. <laughs> so <laughs> I, we have a, we have a heavy lean toward the Pentecostal charismatic uh, side from the, from that side of the family. But uh, yeah, growing up, I, I don't even know. I was trying to think coming into this, like when was sort of my first, you know, because I'm coming from a different point from all y'all because I am the the white guy. So I was trying to think when I even sort of recognized race being a thing. Um, and I, I was really thinking it's probably middle school era before I really determined that color was a thing and, and all that. Uh, my parents never really talked about it. We never discussed anything like that. It was just you know, probably because we were in predominantly uh, white area. Jesse, he was out here. Um, and I was thinking he was probably one of the first people of color that I even that had any, you know, 
consequence or whatever for me to remember. Um, so it's just uh, uh, it's sort of limited out here, wouldn't you say, Jess? Oh, yeah, man, definitely, definitely limited. I remember in high school, I always kept the percentage. It was like 6%, 4% black any time that I was in grade school, pretty much. Um, but <clears throat> self-saying that, and it's neat to hear you guys because I know from my upbringing was similar to sales from the standpoint of my parents weren't going to church either. And I, I went with my grandma and then my parents started coming and then we started going to church more too. And, uh, and uh, so I thought that's really interesting as you said that self. Yeah, we're from the same area, self and I. So I grew up in Burlington, North Carolina. And uh, I definitely experienced a lot of racism because I was part of the 4% of the black people in the area. And uh, there were a lot of people who were raised um, to, to really hate people who look like me, you know? And I didn't understand certain things until I kind of got older, but I knew from the age of four that people didn't like me because of the color of my skin. And uh, I remember, uh, what's that place itself that's called, uh, it's called Our Place, and they got the swimming pool over there. I forget what road it's off of. It used to be called Our Place. But I always want to go swimming there because I love to go swimming. And my parents would be like, you can't go there. And I'm like, why can't I go there? You know, they look like they're having a great time. I see some of my classmates out there. <laughs> you know, but uh, that place is a place that didn't want me to be there. As, as the title of the, the building was named Our Place at the time. I think it got knocked down. It got knocked down. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It was right there up beside the, the Hall River. Yeah, first bridge. Uh, it backed up to the Hall River, right? I never I, went there either, so. And uh, and then there's another place I <laughs> there was another place I wanted to go uh, called the Ski Lodge, but I couldn't go there. Either. <laughs> couldn't go there either. So that was like a bar where they had. Uh, let's just say it was another place either. I couldn't go. But there were a couple places I couldn't go. Couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad you didn't go there. We probably wouldn't be friends today if you if you were still going yeah. to those places. <laughs> But uh, that being said, <laughs> probably um, that's just a little bit of my background. That's a little bit of my background. All right, we're going to go to the next questions. I held some questions back because I wanted you guys to um, not know what I was going to ask you. In your opinion, <laughs> in, what do you think loving your neighbor has looked like to this day? So we talked about our backgrounds. What do you think, in your opinion, loving your neighbor looks like? We just read the scripture and we'll go back over it again. But just from your experience, anybody can talk. Well, I think one aspect to it is um, but yeah, loving your neighbor as yourself. And it starts with having I, what is the standard and the love that I have for myself? Like, do I take care of myself? I feed myself. I have at least a certain esteem for myself. But I think what um, that means practically is like for those around me, even if, especially if they don't look like me, especially if they don't think like me, do I still engage with them the way that I would want them to engage with me? Do I still think of them uh, highly enough, not thinking them, thinking of myself lower or thinking of them lower, but thinking of all of us in a way that God looks at us um, as his uh, children and being able to engage in a conversation. And even if we don't see things the same way, then I'm going to uh, still err on the side of grace, err on the side of uh, the relationship. Um, and 
whatever way that I can support or help, whether that is um, someone who's walking down the road and have a few extra dollars, like, yeah, I'll give that to you. Or if we're in a online on social media and see someone that says something that I'm like, that does not seem quite right. It's not PC. It's not um, woke. Like, I'm still going to love you. I'm not going to just completely unfollow you, for example, but I will be able to still have a conversation, engage, and if you did need help or if there's a way that I can support, then I'm not going to second guess it because we just have a, a different perspective on the topic. Um, so that's yeah, I think uh, loving my neighbor. I love that. Um, it's a good question. Uh, what do you think loving your neighbor has looked like this day? I, I guess what comes to me is there is this expectation that loving your neighbor is to to not um, offend and not be able to express your own opinions in, in, in fear that it's gonna um, uh, just offend the person, you know, cannot even speak the truth, you know. So maybe maybe the tide is being you know changing, you know, recently. But um, that's what that's comes to mind here, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think everything, well, I mean, just like the scripture, right. And then also like, like in Matthew 22, um, you know, sort of the same response as the scripture we read out of, uh, out of Luke, but you know, in verse uh, 22, uh, Matthew 22, verse 40, it says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I mean, that's right. Anything, if we want to take from the from the first commandment all the way to the end, if we want to um, see that those commandments are met and we do our part as Christians, uh, those two simple things, well, I say it's simple, but um, it all starts with love, loving God, loving our neighbor, um, and everything else sort of falls in place if we can just do that. Um, and I guess it sounds simple, but people are just... Uh, I guess they have Pharaoh's heart and um, they're just too hard. Their hearts are too hard and to be able to uh, accept that. You know, that's, that's good, man. I, I think people really don't know who their neighbor is. You know, that's why I wanted you guys to read the scripture. Um, because as you read the scripture, people stopped by, people uh, saw this guy who was in a lot of pain and needed help. And they were his own people and they own people by race and they walked sure. by him. Yeah. Just left him hanging, you know? Um, so I just want to mention this to all the men who are listening. Uh, you know, your neighbor is just like it says during the scriptures. Your neighbor is the one who has mercy on you. Uh, the Samaritan, the Samaritan was a different race and actually was looked down upon. And tr you could, you could basically say, uh, with racism, racism back then, the Samaritan was the one who was getting the bad end of the stick back in the day when we were talking about this with the Israelites. So that Samaritan gave everything he had, gave all the money he had, and helped that man. Now, uh, that's what a neighbor is. And that's why I wanted to have this podcast, because I can clearly see it on the Internet. I can see people who are like the uh, Arbery case where those two guys uh, killed the man in the street. Uh, you know, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But right after that, the follow-up was Christian groups were picking it up and saying that, 
you know, these, these were good guys and everything else. And, you know, uh, I think they got it twisted. But I think that people really aren't thinking about who their neighbor is. I think they're only thinking the neighbor is the person who looks like the back of their hand. But that's not the case. You know, our neighbor is those who would take mercy on us. Those who would love those, really, those who would take mercy on us. It doesn't say, it doesn't even say a Christian. It says those who would take mercy, right? What do you guys think about that? I would just say that, I mean, the ultimate show of love ever in this entire universe was the show that was the love that Jesus showed uh, and shed his blood and dying for our sins to save us from yeah. what we deserve because of our sin. Um, so through, through love was the greatest gift ever given to us, uh, to man. So through love, all things really become possible. Um, through the love that he showed to us and the love that we're supposed to show others, uh, I, I don't see how that can, how that can be beat other than, People just uh, harden their hearts. And, you know, a lot of times these people, they have a love problem um, on their own where they don't love themselves and they've never been showed love. Um, mm, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, good. And, so. uh, and, uh, Go ahead, Douglas. Talking about love, I mean, love will really um, bridge over any gap, any differences. So in that parable, you know, the Samaritan, was the one that helped, you know, that had mercy, right? So the other two um, players, the priest and the um, expert in the law, um, the Levite, sorry, the Levite, um, you would imagine they're part of the Levitical, um, you know, family, and the other one is even serving in the, in the house, it's the priest, you know, it's really the action that, that showed that they were walking in love. So, um, you know, there is this verse in Galatians 3 that uh, it mentions that, you know, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, so um, talking about like, you know, neighbor. I, I thought it was just interesting uh, that the question was, who is my neighbor, right? And it's, he wanted to justify, yeah. you know, who, you know, what's, what's my responsibility over here? How far do I have to go? Who is my neighbor, you know? Yeah. And, and really, <laughs> the Jesus turned the question around and, and, and actually asked, uh, who was the neighbor of that man? So really the focus became out in no longer self-centered who is my neighbor, it became who is his neighbor. So. Yeah, I love that part. And the sister saying that Douglas made me think about, um, yeah, this expert of the law, an attorney, my wife's an attorney uh, by training. So I feel like I can probably speak to this, um, but you can always be looking for a loophole. That is part of this, like what you're doing as, um an attorney like you are looking at like, upholding the law um but then looking at uh, where are there gaps in the law um because you can say like you can yeah find where there could be an exposure risk and try to like figure out a way to put together a contract to cover yourself up with that uh, or if you need to defend you can figure out right, where's the loophole so we can be able to get out of this particular uh, predicament because you're feeling cornered and i think that's what we see here where the guy is like 
uh, who is my neighbor? Like, where can I like be doing just enough to be able to like be satisfying the law? But I'm not going to go out of my comfort zone if I don't need to. Um, but just as you said, like he completely flipped it and said, like everyone is your neighbor, and that's how we need to be treating it. And we need to be um, realizing that anyone who is showing mercy to you, then they are being neighborly to you. Um, and in this case, like this obviously was not someone that you, he expected to be a neighbor, the Samaritan. And that's like an oxymoron, the good Samaritan. Like this is not um, computing in his uh, legal mind that way. But that's what the gospel does. That's what Jesus says. He like offends our own sensibilities in order to show the truth. And just how impossible it is for us to, within ourselves, live out um, what he's calling us to do. We can't do it in our own strength, but we can do it through the Holy Spirit. Um, and that's really what, um, yeah, I've like taken away from this. Yeah, that's good what you say there, Luke, because let's just be honest, guys. When you hear someone say something to you, and that's going to be my next question, uh, out, of, out of place, let's say they call you out of your name or something like that. You're not gonna be thinking, sweet Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be thinking like, you know, what the age did this person just say to me? Hold up, it's time to, you know, get that person right mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh let's be honest. But we're gonna have some more stories about that. But let me go ahead and go to the next question. Uh I wanted to ask, have you ever had someone make a racist remark to you or not include you in something uh you were more than capable of doing, uh, but they didn't include you because of your color? or your nationality, how did that make you feel and how did you respond and how would you respond today, real, realistically? And I can ask that question again if you need me to do Because <laughs> it was a lot. I would say, let me go on and get mine out of the way. I don't know, I don't recall any time being excluded or um, left out of something because of it. and. But you know that's also because I'm white, so I'll you know go and get mine out of the way. That's good, man. And you were in the majority where you where you grew up at, where you live, right? So that too didn't have as many interactions. So I would I would put that in there as too. But you're right, so I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> Anybody else? So I remember, you know, going outside of Sao Paulo in Brazil, and even though I'm a native, I, that's, I was born there, people would immediately assume that I was a tourist <laughs> and treat me like one. And then on the other hand, when I moved to California and, you know, was in San Jose, Bay Area, uh, you know, Asians were probably majority over there going to restaurants, you know, there is also the assumption that I would speak Chinese, so they would start talking to me in Chinese. So it's just so interesting how, you know, uh, depending where you are, how, you know, what I look like, you know, people would have assumptions, you know, like or expectations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did that ever, did that ever get you mad, Douglas? Did ever anybody say something to hurt your feelings? And how did you respond to that? I know you're a nice guy, but I want to know. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, maybe when the, in Brazil situation, because of the, there were jokes about it. So it was something that would get on me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the other example, you know, in San Jose, that, that's, 
it's so small it's not it never really annoyed me <laughs> yeah it's for me um to be honest i don't think there were like too many memorable times just like growing up where I'm like uh, this is clearly because of race that feeling i'm being excluded um there was one occasion with my dad uh, and I were at this like car repair shop and I think the situation that it came about, like my dad interpreted it as the owner of the place or at least the manager um, was insinuating that I was like going to steal a pen. And my, at the moment, my dad's like, like, no, like, why do you think he's going to do it? Because he's black. And I, I, to me, I was like naive. Like, I don't think necessarily that was necessarily the case, but to me that heightened the um, understanding that, Oh, yeah, there is a different dynamic uh, between uh, it's white and black. That was the main dynamic growing up there in um, Baltimore. And yeah, I, I think my reaction was, I let me, I'm not going to say anything directly. Um, I think my dad was already heated up and I'm like, I, dad, don't get too overheated. Like, I don't want this to be a big thing. And but I was like, can't correct him. I'm like, we're, we're like seven years old or something. But afterwards, to me, I'm like, I don't want to get as wound up on these different topics. And I'm more likely to uh, reinterpret the situation and say, okay, maybe they meant this way or meant that way versus it was purely malicious out of racism or some malintent. But I think the only other occasion that happened to me personally was yeah, at a, in fourth grade, there was a uh, a kid that we were like butting heads, probably like the same way that you, uh, Seth and Jesse, were probably always butting heads, like in some competition with each other. Uh, and there was one time that he just pulled the chair from behind me and went to sit down and like hit my head. I'm like, was really ready to get upset and fight him. Uh, I think I had a few tears at that moment, to be honest, <laughs> but. I think with all that said, we ended up actually becoming friends thereafter, but I think each of us had our own challenges. Like he actually grew up Muslim, more of like a, a white Muslim and a disadvantaged background. And it was almost like our different struggles brought us together to be able to have some commonality to be able to move forward from there. But yeah, I, I have found that I am probably one more to not try to interpret the situation as racist, even though I think like there needs to be some level of justice, even if it isn't necessarily a conscious racism uh, that someone's expressing. Yeah, that's good. I think it's important also to understand and kind of talked about a lot in the last uh, podcast that I had, you know, there's racism, but there's also just outright evil, right? It has nothing to do with racism. So, Let's not forget because somebody does something doesn't necessarily mean they're racist. They just be evil, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> that being said, the story that you mentioned, Luke, made me think about one of my many stories of racism that I've dealt with. So uh, I'll just mention this one, uh, and it was about about five, probably about eight years ago. Uh, I'm in the I was in the working world, working in New Jersey actually, and you know it wasn't many African Americans working in the offices where I was at. There was one guy who had recently, he had just got to the office area. He was no longer on the floor. And uh, he had these friends who he would always eat lunch with. And he had a 
they always had a good time. They seemed like they always had a great time. And one day I walked in to the office and they were always picking on him a lot. And I walked into the office and this one guy was telling him, and I forget all their names, but uh, I wouldn't get specifics anyway because they might listen to the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I walked into the room and they had him uh, holding a watermelon. They asked him to hold a watermelon and take a picture. Now, I'm coming from the South, so I know this is not, <laughs> this is racist, you know, this is not right. And I was mad as fire. I mean, I was hot. I was so... Due to the length of this podcast, it will be split into two. I hope you've enjoyed yourself so far and look forward to you listening to the second part as it will be published on another podcast link for you to listen into. Please like and share this with other men if you enjoyed this, this podcast. Thanks for joining Men's Call Podcast, where we gain insight to our calling by God and take action that will change our world for the better. Be blessed, fellas.